Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. Hey, listeners. Uh, hate to start off with a downer title, but this is a very important show, something important to get into your mind. The wrong way to go keto, the way to fail, okay? And don't worry, we'll wrap it up with some uh, instructions about how to avoid the stuff we're going to talk about. And basically, when you rush into a comprehensive dietary transformation, a significant dietary transformation, such as cutting your total daily carbohydrate intake to under 50 grams per day, uh, you have to do it in a methodical manner and ensure that you are prepared for such a transformation and not at risk of the fallout that occurs so commonly when people get psyched, they get motivated, and they go to town, they cut out, they do as they're told, they take a template from a coach, trainer, book, magazine, and stick to it with a tremendous amount of willpower exerted every single day to turn down all the things that they enjoy. Um, We have this mentality that seems to be so popular now where we uh, talk about things like cheat days and uh, that sort of nonsense, which when you talk about cheat day, uh, right out the gate, I want to slam this concept because if you have to cheat on something, that means that you don't enjoy it, you don't appreciate it, and it's going to be very difficult to adhere to. So we don't want to have a cheat day. We want to have you eating and enjoying your diet and your life to the maximum extent possible. And of course, there's going to be some restrictions and there's going to be some trade-ins where you're going to indulge in keto-approved foods rather than the slop that's out there presented to us in uh, the modern world. So it's going to take some discipline and recalibration. But the concept of a cheat day needs to exit your mindset forever and ever And we need to do things that are natural and easy to maintain. That's my wonderful quote from Johnny G. Only things that are natural and easy to maintain are healthy. And those are the only goals that you're truly going to succeed with. Because even if you achieve a measure of tangible success with a regimented approach that requires struggle and suffer and tons of willpower... You're not going to be too happy about it. You're not going to be enjoying the process. And so at what cost is success? We want to do a completely different mindset. We want to adopt a completely different mindset where we have a pure motivation and a pure enjoyment of the process of dietary transformation. So the foods that we're going to ditch, the grains, sugars, and refined vegetable oils are going to be removed from the diet because in the long run, in the overall big picture, they create pain and suffering and disappointment, and they don't make you feel that great. They cause an energy decline. They cause you to live in a manner incongruent with your stated goals, which uh, is not psychologically uh, pleasing. In fact, it's, uh, it creates a deep source of pain deep inside when you can't do what you say you're going to do. So that kind of stuff where we're holding out, <laughs> we're, we're trying to make it to the weekend so we can have a couple cheat days. Uh, Dr. Lindsay Taylor talks about this on her shows too on the Primal Endurance channel. This is the kind of stuff that um, leads to tenuous levels of motivation, uh, fragile uh, use of the fragile attribute of willpower, and ultimately failure and disappointment. So if you're enjoying your dietary transformation, if you're enjoying the uh, wonderful and quick enjoyed benefits of going keto, that is 
not feeling hungry, feeling energy stable, feeling like you can go all day without needing food to fuel you, and no longer being attached or connected to regular meals as your main source of energy. It's a great sense of empowerment and liberation, and now you can turn the corner and have food be one of the great pleasures of life that it's intended to be, rather than the fuel for your gas tank that you just pull up, put the pump in, fill up the gas, and then carry on with your busy day. So the change in mindset is critical to uh, go keto in the correct manner. The other thing we don't want to do besides that regimented struggle and suffer and hold out and use willpower mindset is we don't want to do things too quickly to the extent that you're not ready for the next step in dietary transformation. So in the keto reset diet, we have this first stage called the 21-day metabolism reset. And the goal there is to get rid of the big three offensive foods and replace them with primal paleo Uh, aligned foods, not necessarily worrying about the stricter macronutrient guidelines of going keto, but just cleaning up your diet out of the gate and getting rid of the grains, the sugars, and the refined high polyunsaturated vegetable oils. What this entails is that you're going to get your carbohydrates not from the refined sources that have no nutritional value, but from high nutrient value carbohydrates such as vegetables, fruits, sweet potatoes, quinoa, wild rice, incidental carb contributions from things like nuts, seeds, and their derivative butters, uh, high cacao percentage dark chocolate, high-fat dairy products, um, and the other uh, random contributions of carbohydrates from deeply nutritious foods. So it will not be a struggle to drop your carbs down. You're still getting plenty of carbs to fuel your brain function. You won't have that low-carb flu and those things that people talk about because you'll have your pick of the sweet potatoes and you can have one every night with dinner with a big slab of butter on it and it's filling and nutritious and you're still transitioning away from a higher carbohydrate intake most likely if you're following standard American dietary grain-based diet patterns, but it won't be this abrupt transition into the relatively extreme world of keto that can set you up for struggling, suffering, and backsliding. So you take this 21-day period. We're not concerned with restricting caloric intake of any kind. We're not even concerned with restricting the total amount of carbohydrates you consume, except for we're limiting carbohydrate consumption to the high nutrient value carbohydrates. Okay, you with me here? So you're allowed to eat anything you want, as much as you want, from the primal approved list, not worried about uh, skipping meals or fasting for certain periods. All that stuff's going to come later when it comes naturally. But that first stage is to reprogram your genes away from carbohydrate dependency and in the direction of fat adaptation and eventually fat and keto adaptation. So you can still get a substantial amount of carbs The Primal Blueprint Carbohydrate Curve, which you can um, look at on the internet, just Google that term, or the Primal Blueprint Food Pyramid, will give you a sort of a visual representation, a memorable visual representation of the various contributions of certain foods to your overall caloric intake. But when you go primal, you're eating a uh, a wonderful uh, high satiety, high nutrient value foods in the areas of meat, fish, fowl, and eggs, vegetables, fruits, nuts, and seeds. Um, So you're getting 
tons of dietary satisfaction at your meals. You feel satisfied. You feel well-nourished. You're not up and reaching for snacks two hours later because you had a huge carbohydrate binge. For example, the all-American morning breakfast where you're eating pancakes, waffles, muffins, oatmeal, cereal, juice, berries, yogurts, and getting this burst of sugar into your bloodstream, a little bit of short-term energy, and then you crash and burn. The insulin comes into your bloodstream. You feel tired, cranky, and hungry for another high-carbohydrate meal. So we're going to exit that pattern and instead emphasize the nutrient-dense meals that are so familiar to followers of the primal paleo lifestyle. Um, Then, and only then, we're going to start fine-tuning and aspiring to make progress toward uh, this entering the formal period of nutritional ketosis, where you have these strict macronutrient guidelines to adhere to to stimulate the production of ketones in your liver, which only happen in circumstances of, uh, relatively speaking, again, very low dietary carbohydrate intake, under 50 grams per day, probably a lower protein intake than you might be used to. That's going to be around 0.7 grams per pound of lean body mass. And the rest of your calories, the predominant contribution of calories in your diet comes from nutritious natural fats. So to get to that point, we're going to first have success with the 21-day metabolism reset. Then you're going to do some fine-tuning by fasting in the morning until you feel hungry and seeing how long you can last without having calories in the morning. So you're leveraging the overnight fast that we all engage in when we sleep and seeing how long you can function comfortably and energetically. Again, not struggling, suffering, or suffering energy lulls that require you to binge on any kind of food. Uh, but just going until you are ready to eat a regular meal, and then you eat a primal approved meal, such as an omelet or something that's highly nourishing, perhaps a macronutrient balanced smoothie, and then you go into your uh, the rest of your busy day with plenty of calories to burn so that you're never struggling or suffering. So you get into this groove of fasting, and then and only then you are ready to commence your period of nutritional ketosis. In contrast, because we're talking about how to fail, what not to do, as the title of this show. What a lot of people are doing, what we're reading about and hearing about, is people being welcomed abruptly to the keto concept and saying, okay, I'll try it. And all of a sudden, they ditch all the carbs out of their diet to the extent they're trying to hit that magic number that's often touted by experts of 50 grams uh, per day. We just call it gross carbohydrate intake with some allowances for um, leafy green vegetables, avocados, and high fiber above the ground grown vegetables where we're going to go and allow net carb counting rather than gross. Because for example, an avocado has something like 19 grams of carbohydrate, but there's so much fiber contribution that the net carb value for avocados is down to like four grams or so. And so it's really insignificant. You can eat a few avocados and not throw yourself out of that keto range. Understand what I mean? Or you can have a big bowl of stir-fried kale and not be worried that the pan of kale is 20 grams of carbs and that's cutting into your, your daily allowance. So you can you can maintain nutritional ketosis with an abundant intake of fresh vegetables, watching your intake of some of the starchier vegetables like the tubers that grow in the ground, such as sweet potato squash, things like that. We'll get into that concept deeper. Right now, I'm just telling you what not to do. So what not to do is to dramatically reduce carbohydrate intake in an abrupt manner because here's what will happen. Here's where we're getting into the the juicy part of the show. 
when you go on this, we'll call it a crash diet. It's a crash in a manner of speaking, even if you're consuming a lot of fat and uh, trying to embrace that concept, which, by the way, a lot of people ignore. They have a latent, lingering, deep-seated fat phobia from a lifetime of cultural programming. So they go keto and they do the terrible double whammy of restricting carbohydrate intake too abruptly And then secondly, not consuming enough natural nutritious fats to achieve dietary satiety. And this is just a ticking time bomb, a matter of time before uh, Ben and Jerry's comes back to the home and enters their familiar spot in the freezer for an evening ice cream binge when you just can't take it anymore. So we don't want to traffic anywhere near that nonsense, that uh, setting yourself up for failure. So we want to have that gradual transition over to the extreme carbohydrate restriction. We want to make sure that we're maintaining intake of those high fiber carbohydrates that don't contribute to that uh, important uh, count of 50 grams per day or less. It's still going to be pretty uh, regimented because you think about abundant intake of the certain vegetables, the greens and stuff, things add up pretty quick. You know, a tablespoon of almond butter here, a few squares of 85 or 90% dark chocolate here, Um, a handful of almonds, um, a little bit of uh, high-fat Greek yogurt, and all of a sudden you're trending up toward your daily limit. So it's not to be discounted that this is a significant dietary transition, but when you do it, you're going to be ready for it. So what we see instead, back to uh, my concept here, is that when you just go out of the gate and you're not fully prepared, what's going to happen is you're still carbohydrate-dependent but you're no longer consuming adequate carbohydrates in your diet because you're going keto, just like the website told you or the flyer on the telephone pole or the friendly personal trainer who says, sure, I can help you. Oh boy, what happens when you're still carbohydrate dependent because you haven't done the homework, the dirty work, and you restrict carbohydrates in the diet is your body experiences a fight or flight stress response. When there's not enough glucose to fuel your brain, Your brain freaks out, appropriately so, because this is a starvation, a survival mechanism that's hardwired into our genes. When we don't have enough dietary sugar, the body immediately engages in the fight-or-flight response featuring the process of gluconeogenesis. That is a Latin term that means new sugar make. (laughs) So you start making your own sugar very quickly and easily through the process of gluconeogenesis that happens mostly in the liver, where you're taking either ingested amino acids, protein from the diet, or you're taking lean muscle tissue and you're stripping it into glucose to fuel the great demands of your brain, which can burn only glucose or ketones. It can't burn fat, so you can't be a fat-burning brain person. You always need that supply of glucose to fuel your brain function. And if you don't get it from your diet, you get it from breaking down your muscle tissue into glucose and continuing on in that carbohydrate-dependent state. Now, here's the funny thing about the fight-or-flight response, and I think we can all relate to this when we've been under periods of prolonged stress, such as a family or personal crisis, uh, a workplace deadline, or a hectic, frenetic period of life where you're going, going, going all day long, and you find, hey, you're not even hungry, you're wired on adrenaline, you're going, you wake up in the morning full of energy and you carry on because of this uh, high production of stress hormones, particularly cortisol, 
the prominent fight-or-flight hormone that keeps you buzzed on adrenaline is the familiar term we call it, but you're buzzed on energy without needing your usual patterns of uh, food intake or sleep. So this is what happens to the body when it's placed under a life-threatening form of stress. And remember, we don't know the difference between the work deadline um, and uh, the ancient fight-or-flight mechanisms in our brain that think our survival is threatened. So you carry along just fine. You're making whatever sugar you need from your muscles, from your ingested protein or your muscles to fuel your brain function, and you might even find yourself losing some excess weight, uh, probably a combination of water retention because you're consuming less calories, uh, consuming fewer carbohydrates, and that'll make you less bloated and inflamed, and also the loss of muscle mass and also the loss of some body fat because you're in this high-stress mode where you're uh, burning energy efficiently, but you're doing it in an artificial manner. You're doing it in a buzzed-out, stressed-out manner that is heading you toward the familiar road of burnout. Burnout occurs when the fight-or-flight response becomes exhausted and you start producing lower-than-normal, lower-than-baseline levels of these important stress hormones such as cortisol. So cortisol is often talked about in a negative context. We talk about the stress response, a stressful modern life, you produce too much cortisol, but you need the baseline because it has a profound influence on all manner of metabolic hormonal and bodily functions to do it properly, to give you energy and focus to get through your busy day. So when you exhaust this delicate fight or flight mechanism that is designed for short-term use only, that's when things fall apart. That's when you fall off your diet. That's when that bread starts to call your name and uh, the Ben and Jerry's and all the other indulgences that you've been diligently holding out on um, all start to flood back into the uh, picture. And there's nothing wrong or unusual or bad about you when this happens. This is the genetic response to uh, high stress periods and, and starvation is to make that sugar ourselves and to pump out those stress hormones to carry on uh, on those times of personal crisis or uh, high stress periods, whether it's finals week or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, the dietary restriction of carbohydrates is perceived as a stressful event just like the run-up to the IPO at your company when you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, okay? So this is the stressful way to engage in keto, and it will happen only for a short period of time until your body recalibrates and you get strong signals from the appetite center in your brain to consume that familiar energy source of carbohydrates. So we want to escape from that quick-fix mentality and be patient with the process of entering nutritional ketosis. Uh, that's where you're going to have the long-term benefits, the stimulation of mitochondrial biogenesis, and the anti-inflammatory, the immune-boosting effects, and the development of metabolic flexibility where your keto is done successfully, it's done comfortably, and you uh, enjoy the ability, the talent, to be able to tap into keto anytime you want. If you do that quick fix uh, approach, you might even succeed for six weeks or whatever number someone puts up on your calendar to see if you can survive through it, but you have a high probability, a high likelihood of not enjoying the process, um, draining that tenuous resource of willpower, because as Dr. Lindsay Taylor talks about in um, our shows on the Primal Endurance podcast, 
Um, willpower is fragile. You don't want to call upon that over and over every single day to adhere to a diet. You want to order what you want off the menu, and it just happens to be an omelet because you're fat adapted. You don't need that sugar. You're not feeling those energy lulls where you have to reach for a high-carbohydrate energy bar in your drawer, and there's no willpower required because you feel fine and you're not hungry. So that's the right way to go keto, and the wrong way is to rush into it. How do you know? That's what the book is all about. We have a keto reset midterm exam in the middle of the book, and you pass it with a score of 75% or better. And if you don't pass, you have to spend more time in that 21-day metabolism reset mode where you're making sure that all the sugars and grains and bad oils are ditched out of your diet and you're being patient and you're showing, you're demonstrating an ability to fast in the morning without requiring calories but feeling great and energetic until 11 a.m. or until 12 noon or until even later sometimes. That's when you're showing the metabolic fitness to attempt a keto period. I hope this podcast helps and that you'll be patient and respect the big picture process where you can go keto and literally achieve benefits for a lifetime rather than a short period of time with a high risk of fallout. Thanks for listening. This is your host, Brad Kearns, and the Keto Reset Podcast. Hi, this is Brad Kearns to tell you about Primal Endurance Online Multimedia Educational Mastery Course. And what we have done for the past year is basically bring the book Primal Endurance to life with a series of videos and other multimedia educational material, audio, ebooks, all accessed at this online portal with everything you need to succeed in endurance training. And if you're trying to do this stuff, if you're enjoying these compelling challenges and trying not to get sick, injured, burnt out, fried, this is going to help you approach your endurance goals in a healthy, balanced manner and promote your health rather than compromise it. Get away from carbohydrate dependency and progress toward fat adaptation. It's over 120 videos, many with the experts and also many others with the step-by-step instruction of what's in the book. So if you're too busy to read or you'd like to have a more comprehensive learning experience, check out Primal Endurance online. You'll have everything you need there at primalendurance.fit.